Hey there, Duke fans. Welcome to episode 265 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. We are here for you, even though Duke did not play a game the past couple days. In fact, that's one of the things we're going to be talking about. I'm your host this week, Jason Evans. I'm joined by Donald Wine. Sam Klein couldn't make it. He's listening. He's here in spirit. Let's put it that way. Um, but uh, Donald, uh, we, we, are, we wished we had expected to have a Duke game to talk about, but not quite yet, right? Not quite yet. And it's funny, uh, as we record, it's New Year's Eve. Uh, we get to say sayonara to 2020. Uh, hopefully 2021 will be a great one for us, uh, or at least better than 2020, which is a low bar. Uh, but I will say <laughs> day six of Kwanzaa, I know Kwanzaa is a seven-day holiday, as I mentioned. This principle today is Kumba, which is creativity. And we've had to see our basketball teams be very creative as they navigate through this tangled mess of a season. I like it. I like it. That's that's a, a, a good a good thought for the day. Uh, by the way, folks, if you don't follow Donald on Twitter, he has been posting every single day. He's been posting the the various theme for each day of Kwanzaa, and and it is a thoughtful thing to to start your day with. So thank you very much for that, sir. Absolutely, absolutely. Everyone should be uh, involved in this process. It's, it's something that we build out through the year. And really, honestly, like I said, this low ass bar that 2020 gave us, we're going to leap over it in 2021. So we start out now. Uh, we, now we get to talk about the first basketball game of 2021. Yes, we do. And and, and by the way, just as a uh, just so folks know, here here's here's the rundown for today. <laughs> here's what we're going to be doing on the podcast. Um, we're going to be talking about Florida State, and, and part of us talking about the Florida State preview is literally just minutes ago, and I, and I mean like literally five, ten minutes ago, uh, I got off a news conference with Wendell Moore uh, of the Duke basketball team, and I'm going to be telling you what he had to say about Florida State and what he had to say about a bunch of other issues, a bunch of other things going on. Um, and, and we're also going to be talking about COVID and college sports uh, because the Duke's basketball game against Pitt was canceled. Um, we, we've spoken already about the fact that the women, the Duke women chose not to play. We have a lot more information about why the Duke women have chosen to shut down their season. And we want to talk about that stuff. Uh, and before we're all done, Donald has a New Year's wish for everybody that he's going to be giving, which, which will be fun. You can look forward to that at the end of the podcast. But we're, like I said, we're going to start with Wendell Moore and, 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 and Florida State. And Donald, I just want to tell folks really quickly, um, there were sort of a couple interesting things that Wendell had to, had to say to me. First of all, uh, about Florida State. Um, he, he didn't have a lot that he, he said about specifically scouting them. Um, uh, you know, he said he's ready for the matchup against Scotty Barnes, uh, which, which will be a big deal. And we will talk about that. Um, uh, he said that Duke's been working extensively on their half court execution. That's basically since they came back from the break, that has been the thing that's been going on for Duke working on half court execution, which I thought was, was very, very interesting. And I want to play a really quick piece of sound. Um, uh, I asked Wendell, Who's been playing well in practice lately? And his answer kind of surprised me. Let's let's have a listen. I, I, again, this is Wendell telling us in the past few days who's been surprising in practice. Wendell, I'm wondering if there's been anybody um, since you guys came back from the break who's who's impressed you in practice. Who you know is there anybody who's really you know showing something something more to their game now that you guys came back refreshed, as you said. I mean, if I had to choose someone, I think I would choose Henry because uh, he's kind of going through, I don't want to say a total position change, but um, we're using him a lot on the perimeter now. You know, he's been really effective there. Um, you know, what he brings to the perimeter is uh, definitely something different. A big body, um, a great defender, a great rebounder. Uh, he, he finishes great around the rim. Uh, so I think that adds to our team. 
So you just heard it. Henry Coleman. I can't believe it. Henry is sort of the guy who Why has, am I not surprised? I, it's I'm it's not amazing. Surprised whatsoever. Every time we ask someone about who's playing well in practice, Henry Coleman's name comes up, and but he doesn't play in games. Donald, what's, what's your feeling about that? I mean, I, I don't know what to think of it. It, it. It's one of those things where, again, like you said, it's kind of like a, you know, we were talking about this bef- right before the show when you were kind of breaking down everything. You said it was a broken record. And yeah, it is a broken record. It's a good one. But it's one that we hear all the time. Henry Coleman is impressing. Henry Coleman is impressing. I wonder if there's just going to be a day where it just all clicks on the court and it just hasn't clicked yet for him, which is why he's not out there. So uh, it's interesting because when you talk about this game and, and you talked about a little bit about where he's playing and how he's playing, we may need him against Florida State because Florida State has a lot of length and they spread that length out to the perimeter. So if he's going to be able to come out and, and really combat that, then it'll be really it'll, it'll be a great thing for us because we we don't know if we're going to have Jalen Johnson, uh, we don't know for what our what our rust is going to be because we haven't played. Uh, that pit game would have been great for that, but I think having Henry Coleman and the other big guys who can stretch out to the to the perimeter be a beacon for us because that is going to really really navigate how we play Florida State, particularly on the defensive end. And, and as we continue this conversation about both my conversation with Wendell Moore and the Florida State game, I, I want to mention a couple other things that Wendell spoke about before we get, uh, you know, sort of a deep dive into Florida State specifically. Um, uh, he was asked about uh, his play lately because, uh, you know, it, uh, <laughs> it is not a surprise for me to tell you that everybody feels like Wendell Moore has sort of been one of the most disappointing guys in the team, you know, thus far this season. Um, he has struggled. And, and Wendell admitted that. He said that he feels like he's hit a wall. And once you hit a wall, you just have to find a way to keep fighting and get over it. Um, he talked about, uh, he, he said, it feels like every time he shoots, it, do, it just doesn't go in. Um, and, and I was really surprised at this. He said he feels like the, the game is moving faster than he is right now. And he talked about, you know, he's trying to find other ways to help the team. But he also said over the break, he spent a lot of time shooting a lot of time seeing the ball go through the basket. And it was really interesting to me that he stressed that, that you know, just seeing the ball go through the hoop is really good for him. And he's convinced that his game will come back around. I'm, I'm also convinced of that. I think you know, there, there's no question that that's going to happen. I want to address a couple other things really quickly. I asked him specifically about Jalen Johnson. He said that Jalen has not yet begun practicing. We've seen pictures of Jalen at practice, but Jalen is not yet practicing with the team. He said Jalen is still very, very engaged and a part of everything that's going on with the team, which is good to hear, but pretty clear if he's not practicing yet that we're not going to have him for the Saturday game against Florida State. Uh, you know, we, we heard that he was on a timetable where around now or maybe in the next few days they would reevaluate and see sort of where they go from there. I think it's good that he's, you know, around practice and, and still engaged with the team. That's obviously a really important thing. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's it's good to hear that he's progressing well. I, I think we all expected that he would not play on Saturday, even you know before this break. So hearing that he's back at practice but not yet practicing is unsurprising. We, we think that's well in line with what Duke has been telling us. Uh, so hopefully that is still continuing. Hopefully whatever, uh, whatever follow-up appointments that he has this week uh, with regard to that leg injury, hopefully that it turns out well and that he's back on the mend and, and – on, on, a, on a trajectory for a full recovery. That's really what we are wishing for. We hope to get him back as soon as possible. But if it's the next couple of weeks, I think we're still within that timetable. Exactly. He, he said that the team definitely feels refreshed after coming back from their break. He, he mentioned that they have not been 
Um, they haven't been off campus. They haven't been, you know, with their family since August 2nd. They arrived on August 2nd and they have been in this, you know, bubble that Duke has created for them on campus since August 2nd. And getting a chance to refresh and go back and see their families was a really good thing. Um, you know, obviously everyone's concerned about a little bit of rust, but, you know, Wendell said they, they needed this to refresh and be ready for the rest of the season that is, that is coming up. Um, and, and he said it hurts every time a game is canceled. I mean, Duke has had numerous games canceled already. Uh, like with the Pitt, Pittsburgh game, Wendell said they spent two or three days doing nothing but working on scouting reports for Pittsburgh and pre preparations for Pittsburgh. And literally they finished their last practice before the, before the Pitt game. And they were told, hey, we just found out Pitt has COVID and, and we will not be playing them. And he said, you know, th that's painful to them. You put all this effort into understanding what a team's going to be, and then you don't get to play them. Jason, and, that sounds mad familiar, right? Yeah, like, we'll, tell me we'll, about we'll, it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> We've had to do this a lot uh, this season already, so I feel them on that. Yeah, although I will say our preparation, what Donald and Sam and I do to prepare for each opponent is nothing compared to what these guys yeah, do. So, they, yeah, they, they run. We don't run when we, when we prepare for our podcast. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, and then the last thing I wanted to mention, uh, he talked a little bit about the women. He talked about COVID. I mean, how can you not? Uh, Wendell said that, that the guys in the men's team haven't really talked that much about the notion of shutting their season down or anything like that. They, they fully support the women. They understand why the women did it. And, uh, you know, he's not saying that the women made a mistake or anything like that, but it doesn't sound like the Duke men are even beginning to consider these kind of, you know, sort of drastic measures. Um, and, and we're going to get to more of this later on in the podcast. I keep on promising we're going to get to Florida State. <laughs> uh, but before we wrap things up about with Wendell, I did want to play one last piece of sound that relates to all of this. Tom Shanahan, one of the reporters who was on the call, asked Wendell about Coach K, because there are a lot of people who say they feel like Coach K wants to shut it down um, and that Coach K maybe doesn't want to play anymore. And people have even said, oh, he thinks this isn't that good a team compared to past Duke teams. And he just wants to put it behind himself and he doesn't want to play any more games. So Tom Shanahan asked Wendell about that. You have to hear Wendell's answer about the way Coach K feels about playing basketball games. Uh, it was kind of surprising to hear some people say Coach K was trying to get out of playing the rest of the season. I'm sure you guys thought that was kind of ridiculous. Yes, I ever did. I would say me personally, I know in Coach these past two years, he's uh, definitely one of the most – uh, fired up guys when it comes to playing games. Uh, I think sometimes he wants it even more than some of the guys do. I, I really, he's that much into it. Uh, so for somebody to say that he doesn't uh, want to play anybody else, I don't think that was right at all. Uh, Cause that's really the last thing that people could say about coach. So I love the fact that coach K 73 years old, coach K is more excited about playing basketball games than the 18 year olds on his team who are doing it for the first time. He's been doing this for 40 plus years. And this is like, he's still the most excited guy on the floor. It, you wanna any, be the goat, you wanna be the greatest. That is part of being the greatest. Any notion, like, come on y'all, any notion that the goat was just like, nah, I don't wanna play basketball anymore. I don't wanna really coach. I don't wanna really just, just set this whole season up. Guys, come on now. There is a reason why he is the greatest of all time. It's not because he decided, oh, I'm just going to do these games, just do them. He loves this game. And if he wants to, you know, put a pause on it, it's for the right reasons. And if he, but 
don't don't be twisted. Like his competitive fire has never left. And those people who are claiming it is y'all playing yourselves. You're, you're telling us how much you how, how little you know about basketball. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So done with Wendell and the stuff that he had to say, I want to get to Florida State. And Donald, let me start with you. Uh, we, we heard, you know, like I said, he talked about Scotty Barnes. Tell me about Florida State. And specifically, I want to hear about some of the players that are, are really worth paying attention to. This is a good Florida State team. Absolutely. And, and I will I will ke- give this caveat for now, because a- as we can only do in these previews, we're going to preview this team for now and hope we play them on Saturday. But uh, Florida State, the guys we have to pay close attention to are their guards, MJ Walker, Scotty Barnes, who you mentioned, and Anthony Polite. They're the three players who average double points and figures. They also are very active on defense. They get their hands in the passing lanes and they're a little bit taller. They're not, you know, the 6'2", 6'3", kind of guards. These guys are 6'6", 6'7", and they have long arms that can get out into passing lanes. And that is what really allows them to get out in the transition. They try to steal the ball. And when they do, they're running the other direction. I will say this about Scotty Barnes. He takes a lot of free throws. He gets to the line, but he's only made 47% from the line this year. So watch out for that. Anthony Polite, though, on the other side, he can hit the three ball. He's the only guy in this team to get the three ball. He's shooting 52% and he's taking almost four threes per game. So he's the only guy that we're looking at as a deep threat. The rest of the team uh, together, they shoot 34% from three. And so far they shot in 43% from four where they get wins is by wearing down the opponent with a lot of running, a lot of rotations. They try to get you out, out of your game. They also have a lot of length that they can put on the perimeter. Like I said, they have a lot of guys that are 6'6 six, six to 6'8. Six, they also have some guys that are taller than that. that could go all the way up to 7'1", like Bolsa, Kopravica, uh, and Raekwon Gwai. Those, those two guys are strong on the boards. They're really tall. They can get out and they can play multiple positions. I think that is Florida State's key. But their strength is with their guards. They can throw a lot of guys at you. They play big or small. They, again, they're all really tall and they can seek to create matchup problems. So they're going to want to eliminate passing lanes. They want to get steals. They want to run in transition and get easy buckets inside. They have the strength to do that. That is where Duke needs to excel is make sure they can match that strength. All right. So, uh, so sort of like we did last time for the pit game where we didn't actually have a game, but we did have a preview. We're um, 0 for 1 in, in these types of previews. Yeah, so. <laughs> exactly right. So Donald sort of talked about some of the players and a little bit of the style. I'm going to talk more about the style, but I'm going to specifically look at some of the advanced stats. Um, you know, thanks to our friends Ken, Ken Pomeroy and, and Bart Torvik, some of the folks who really dig into deep stats, deep advanced metrics. I'm going to give you some of those advanced metrics. I will tell you, first of all, that Florida State, they're, they're ranked number 33 in Ken Palm. Um, They have the 36th best offense and the 33rd best defense. So a reasonably balanced team. This is not a team that is um, dominant on one end of the floor and, and, you know, sort of poor on the other end of the floor, Uh, which is, by the way, a little different from what Florida State has been in recent years. Um, They are not as good on defense as they have been lately. Uh, They were number 15 in the country on defense last year, number 10 in defense two years ago. Uh, that was really their calling card. They were a great defensive team. They aren't forcing as many turnovers this year as they have been in recent years. They're only 75th in the country in turnover percentage this year. Um, and last year they were ninth. So last year you had to really, really protect the ball this year, maybe not as much. Um, and, and I think that's part of why this Florida State team does not appear to be as good as they were last year. Uh, you talked about the length that they have. I think that they are not quite as good at using that length to get their hands in passing lanes and cause turnovers. They are a good shot blocking team. 
top 20 in the country at, at shot blocking and they're good at offensive rebounding. Um, but they're actually a poor defensive rebounding team, which is very interesting. And, and as always seems to be the case with Florida state, and you mentioned this, they're huge. Ken Pomeroy says they are the second tallest team in, in the country, second only to USC. And by the way, that's not just like average height. That's he, he takes the height of everyone who's on the floor per minute. They're on the floor, that kind of thing. So having a seven footer who doesn't play doesn't help you with, with average height. Pomeroy looks at who's really in the games. And again, Florida state second tallest team in the country, which is very significant. They are not using their bench nearly as much as they have in recent years. They're not even in the top 125 in the nation in bench minutes, which I think is really interesting because usually we think of Florida state as a team who like plays 11 guys. Um, they are playing plenty of guys, but they are relying on a few guys more than they have in the past. You mentioned the fact they're not a great shooting team only hit about a third of their threes. They hit less than 50% of their two point shots and considering their size, you'd think they'd be better at, at that kind of thing. And then the last advanced stat that I wanted to mention, which is really strange. This doesn't make any sense, but, but it's, it matters. When you hear this stat, you're going to be like, wow, really? Florida State is terrible, awful. Like literally one of the 20 worst teams in the country at free throw defense, which isn't really a thing. Florida State's opponents are hitting 77% of their free throws. That's a huge 77, nearly 80%. That's a crazy number. Remember, uh, I, remember yeah. at the beginning of the, of the year, when we did our stats game, we all picked a stat to follow. I followed free throw percentage. And I said, if you're shooting 75%, you're, that is the makings of a really good basketball team. 77%. That number is higher than 75%. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken, you're correct. It, it, again, it's crazy that Florida state opponents are hitting 77. I, I don't look. That, that is a random thing. That can't possibly, there's nothing you can do when a team goes to the free throw line to play good or bad defense. In fact, in fact, it is worth noting, Florida State actually has fans in the stands. Ordinarily, free throw defense falls to the fans. You know, can you hold up a crazy poster? Can you make noise? Can you wave your arms in a weird way? Duke certainly knows how to do that more than anybody, but we don't have anyone there to do it. Florida State actually has fans in the stands, and yet their free throw defense is among the worst in the country. It's crazy. Just weird. Yeah, and, and honestly, like I said, there's a couple of their guards who are going to have the ball in their hands a lot. They don't shoot free throws well either. So, like, on both ends, if you can't make your free throws and you're allowing your other team to get to the line, allowing them to make free throws, that doesn't serve up well uh, for your team. And that's probably why they've, you know, they've struggled a little bit, even in their wins sometimes this season. Yeah, so it's a crazy weird stat. I don't know if it'll hold up. It feels like the kind of thing that would revert to the mean over the course of the season, but – Maybe not. I hope not. And, and you pointed out in a close game, you know, one or two extra free throws makes a big difference. Ken Pomeroy projects that, that this game, he has it listed literally as a 50-50 game. Uh, it, you know, he thinks that the final score will be like a one-point game between Duke and Florida State. So that free throw defense could make a big difference in the end. Absolutely. And, and one thing I also will note about some of their games is they – have difficulty keeping their hands on the basketball. Uh, we, we mentioned, you know, the fact that they, we, last week we mentioned the fact they were going to play, Florida State was playing at Clemson on Tuesday night, which is ironically when we were supposed to be playing against Pitt. But 
they lost that game and really what they lost it in was not taking care of the basketball. They had 17 turnovers. They averaged around 13 and a half turnovers per game, which is kind of high because there's some of these games where, yeah, you may have a couple that are like 11 or 12. That's decent is not great, but we've talked about our turnovers in so far this season and how that has affected our games. It's really affected Florida state as well. And some of these teams where they should be blowing them out, they're keeping them in the game because they're giving the ball back to them. And it all leads back to the, you know, the, the stat that you love field goal attempts. If you don't have the ball in your hands, you can't attempt a field goal. And if you can't attempt field goals, it's very hard to win basketball games. Yeah. Hey, one final quick note I wanted to, to point out. Um, you mentioned that, that Clemson Florida State game this week, which really appeared to be one of those key games. That we, we, when you look back on the standings, you feel like, you know, these are two of the teams that are probably going to be battling for the top of the ACC. And, and Clemson gets that win. Um, uh, and, and by the way, I want to point out that I had. Uh, you know, when we were asking ourselves who, who's going to be the teams in the ACC who surprise, who are better than expected, um, I picked Clemson. And it looks like so far, I mean, it's only been one game, but so far I'm feeling pretty good about that pick. But um, I, I, I want to point out, Donald, when, when we had that game, you said that North Carolina would be one of the disappointing teams in the ACC. Just last night, Carolina dropped to 0-2 in the conference. They are now just five and four on the season. They lost to Georgia Tech. Get this stat. North Carolina is just 25 and 25 in their past 50 games. Whew. I mean, that's that's shocking. Very surprising. It's almost like it's almost like I'm, you know, destined to be right in this category. I, I mean, it, it just seems like it early on. It's early. You know, they can, if they cancel the rest of the season, they're still going to be 25 and 25 over the last 50 games. But I will say one final note about Florida State. The interesting thing about this game is that we didn't get the game on Tuesday. We talked a lot on over the weekend about how the game we were expecting our first game back to be very rusty. Uh, and we didn't get that game back. So expect that rust to carry over to Saturday. Just it's going to happen. We're going to start out rusty. We haven't had a game in almost three weeks. It's going to happen. But the other thing to note about this is that this game is at Florida State. And Florida State is a place where we traditionally do not play well I think the last time we went down there it took a Cam Reddish three-pointer at the buzzer to beat them a game exactly. that we were down most of the game but we've lost to them in the past when we've had better teams and, and they've had worse teams it's just traditionally a difficult place to play so expect this game to be sloppy expect it to be rusty hopefully we can win it but do not think this game is going to be a game where we can say Duke is back Duke maybe back playing basketball, but we got to take things one step at a time. Let's go down and get the win as ugly as it may be at Florida State. Amen. I love that. Look, folks, we're going to take a quick break here. And when we come back, we're going to be talking more about COVID, canceling games, and specifically some more reaction to the Duke women deciding that they're not going to play anymore in this crazy, crazy pandemic. Okay, Donald, we are back and uh, we're going to chat a little bit more about the state of college basketball, men's and women's college basketball. Uh, you know, as we discussed in the last podcast, the Duke women decided that they um, are not going to play any more basketball during, you know, the craziness of this, of this time. And we have not gotten uh, any, you know, definitive, you know, comments, statements. N none of the women uh, from the team have done specific interviews with the media. Kara Lawson has not spoken extensively about this. Um, I think Duke is still sort of figuring out the way to spin this. 
but we started to get some breadcrumbs. We started to get some hints about what went on here. Um, uh, it, it appears that two people close to the Duke team, perhaps even two players, uh, got COVID when Duke played Louisville earlier this season. Um, Louisville only tests once every three days. That's what the ACC requires. If you test once every three days, the ACC says you're doing it the right way. And Louisville only tests once every three days. And so Duke played them and, it, and there was COVID on the Louisville team and then Duke got it from Louisville. Um, and I said, we have not gotten, you know, sort of definitive statements, but Jade Williams um, on the Duke team has tweeted a little bit. And she, she tweeted and said, and I quote, there are more than enough resources to make sure that all competing teams are tested every day. She put every day in all caps. And her mother also tweeted and said, the NCAA can afford to subsidize daily testing for our NCAA athletes. She said, we need to make sure that all our athletes get tested daily before taking the court and before infecting another player. I think that Jade Williams and her mother have told you in those tweets what it is that the Duke women were upset about, that they wanted daily testing, not once every three days. The ACC, again, only requires once every three days. And in fact, it has been reported by the News and Observer, the Raleigh News and Observer, that the Duke women went to the ACC after they got COVID from Louisville and they said, hey, can't, just change it. Change it from three days to every day. And the ACC said no. And that's when the Duke women said, well, this isn't safe. This isn't smart. We are not going to, we're not going to play another team that might have COVID that hasn't been tested on a daily basis. We're not going to play them and get COVID on our team again, because that happened to us once and we're not going to let it happen again. And that's why they opted out. And I want to applaud them. I think that they made absolutely the right decision. And, you know, Donald, I know that I have said the men need to play for the economics of it. Um, and I understand why it's happening. But I have reached the point now, I, I'm, I'm ready for them to take a pause. And, and not just Duke, I think the entire sport should go on pause. And I believe that Coach K would, would agree with this. I know Rick Patino has talked about this. There is no reason we should shut it down right now before students return to campus. Students are not on campus right now. It's the New Year's holiday. It's Christmas break. Students are, when students come back to campus, it is going to get worse. It is going to get worse because Right now, COVID is running rampant over our country. We are seeing infection rates unlike anything we've ever seen in the past. College basketball should go on pause until like probably February or March. Play the NCAA tournament in May. May Madness works. Make the, you know, they're all about alliteration. May Madness works. You should put college basketball on pause today because we have a new strain of the coronavirus that, that is apparently more virulent uh, or so I should say more transmissible um, it, it has already been found in Colorado and California. I bet it is all over the country right now. It's a new strain that can that you can catch easier than past strains. Um, by February or March, there will be tens of millions of Americans who will have been vaccinated, including, including people over the age of 70, like Coach K, like Roy Williams, like Jim Beheim, and other coaches and, and you know, folks who are associated with these players. We need to shut it down right now and take a two-month break. Teams can still practice, they can do other things, but that's where I am at this moment. And I wanna acknowledge that is a change from where I was a week ago. Yeah, well, I, let's go back. I, you, you said a lot and I agree with you on 
basically yeah, everything. No, no, you're, I got you're to fine. a Jason rant. I got to no, a rant. No, no, it was a good one. That's why I let you roll with it. But let's go back to the women for a second and the fact that they think they got the COVID from Louisville. Louisville is in a world of shit. And I hate, hate using it, but they're in a world of shit right now because not only did they do that, but now they aren't playing for the next two weeks. But they're saying it's because of tests within UNC, which they canceled that game. They then moved it back to Friday, and then they postponed that again because of travel logistics. And now they're not playing UVA, so they're gone for the next two weeks. Also in the middle of that was the game that was supposed to be against the Duke women, which was canceled when Duke opted out of the season. So, And it all stems back to that because before, there had not been a single case, save one, on the football team. And that was a close contact. That wasn't necessarily a positive test. It was a close contact. There had been no positive cases from anyone in any of Duke athletic programs since August. So it's clear that this happened because someone brought it into the program. It wasn't where they were acting out or doing something like going to parties or movies or whatever. They got it by playing basketball. Fast forward to now just remember you were talking about the the fact that when kids come back to campus is going to be a problem do we remember back in august and september how much of a problem it was on college campuses everywhere and that was with only what i say only but it was with what seventy thousand cases a day we're now at we we get two hundred thousand cases a day and we don't even blink it like it's going to be a wildfire when these kids come back to campus it, it almost want to say colleges go virtual for the first two weeks or three weeks, whatever, make sure everyone's secluded so we can stamp this out. Because as you said, there are, the vaccine is coming. It may be coming slower than we thought, but it is coming to people. Like shout out to my dad. My dad was able to get it on Monday. Thankful for that. I hopefully will get it soon. I'm one of the higher tier people uh, that would be eligible for it very soon once it's available here in DC. There are people who are starting to get it. Coaches, as you mentioned, are going to get it. This is something where it, it, we, while we're sitting here, we keep talking about this and I hate coming back to it. We keep talking about leadership. Coaches are leading by example. Coaches are saying things and people are saying, oh, that's dumb. Coach K wants to give them the season. He wants to quit, whatever, yada, yada, yada. You know who we're not hearing from? The NCAA. You know what the NCAA is busy Amen. doing? Yep. The NCAA is busy trademarking mask madness. Why? Oh, that's so horrible. Ugh, talk Why? about this. This is so horrible. So they want to, they, they have filed a trademark to trademark and, and copyright mask madness. Why? Because like you said, Jason, they love alliteration. They love keep, keeping the word imminent. And I think for this, we were talking about what this means for the tournament. Does this mean they're going to push it back to April or May and they can't use April madness or May madness? Or is it they're going to try and do this thing in March still and hope they have fans in the stands in Indianapolis in their bubble with 68 teams trying to fight down to one where one case can equal dozens quickly? I think this is a big problem. While we're sitting here trying to figure out what to do about this, while the coaches sit here trying to figure out how to navigate all this, while the players, as like you mentioned when you talked with Wendell, are trying to figure out how to land sidesite these landmines, the NCAA is trying to make money and they're trying to, I know they missed the tournament last year, but they're trying to make more money on top of these players and on top of these coaches that we, without having a, a semblance of a plan, we're seeing this now in England where the, where the strain is happening 
uh, where it kind of, I don't want to say originated, but where it was first discovered. And now we have seen it starting to test here in the United States. But it's because the, the EPL is trying to try figure out how to stop games. They are having a COVID problem that we had here back in, in over the summer. And now this is escalating to a point where games get canceled and we don't even blink. This is a big problem. The NCAA needs to step up and do something. Conferences clearly don't want to do it. The coaches are trying to do it, but they all have their different reasons on what they want to do and why. And the and bottom lines are factoring into it right now, and they shouldn't be. Just put a pause. We're not saying stop the game, but make it so that it's safe for everyone. And right now it's not safe for everyone. I know the NCAA needs the money from college basketball being played, from the tournament that schools need the money from, from the revenue they get from televising these games. But goodness me, I, I, I just, I don't understand why we can't push it back a little bit. I don't want to shut it down. I don't want to shut it down. I just want to put it on pause. Let's get our country to a better place. Let's get this more under control. And then let's play our sports. I mean, I, look, it, they're acting like the money's not going to be there if we, if we forego it in March. The money's going to be there. It's there in May. The it's there in May. If you May. don't think I'm going to sit here for all of May and watch college basketball, if it's on TV, you damn skippy I'm going to. And I think you will too. And I think everyone out there will as well. This is this is the problem. They're thinking right here. They're thinking six inches in front of their face. They're not thinking long-term or thinking down the road. And they obviously don't care about these players. They don't care about what they have to say because we've seen how vilified the women's team has been by people who clearly don't watch basketball, much less women's basketball. These ladies gave up something and sacrifice something that they can't get back they're losing a whole year it is not about eligibility it's, it's just a year of their lives where they were trying to experience something together this team this team will no longer exist they'll have new pieces come in some may leave due to graduation or other things but this piece they gave that up because they wanted to remain healthy and people are vilifying them for that meanwhile there are other programs that have also canceled their season and they get nothing it's because of the four letters on the front of the jersey that people are getting this respite towards Duke. And Duke is actually, they need to be looking at these ladies as examples of saying, hey, they can sacrifice something. Why can't I? And, and I think that's the problem with this country is that there's too many people unwilling to sacrifice something that makes them feel happy for the better betterment of their community. And, you know, we have people who are just, you know, saying, yeah, whatever, it's, it's over. It's 20, they're 21 years old. They can handle it. Some of them clearly can't handle it. And that's why they're making their urge to stop. And that's why we support them. So I want to really quick, you mentioned other teams. Um, since the Duke women opted out, the SMU women also opted out of their season. They were 0-6. Um, and, and we mentioned last podcast, Chicago State, which was 0-9, has uh, uh, on the men's side, has also opted out. So there have been three teams that actually played games who have opted out. There have been a number of teams who haven't played any games yet. I mean, for example, I'm not even sure if you knew this. The Patriot League in men's basketball, Colgate, BU, Lafayette, Bucknell, uh, American, Holy Cross, Lehigh, the, all those teams have not played a single game yet. They decided a while ago they're only going to play conference games, and that's going to start up a little bit later. Uh, so they haven't played any games yet. The only Patriot League, league uh, teams that have played any games are Army and Navy, who are playing sort of you know separate non-conference schedules and also playing in the Patriot League. Um, and there have been a, there are a few other teams that's, that haven't played any games yet. Siena, Fordham, Alabama State. They all plan to play conference games at some point, but they're not playing a non-conference game. The Ivies. And, and the, uh, right, and I was just going to say, and, and the entire Ivy League has said, nope, not us. We're not doing anything with this. Uh, it should be noted that the Ivy League has access to some of the best medical health experts in the world. 
and they have told them, those experts have said, don't play. And the Ivy League listened. Uh, again, I think there will be more teams that will opt out or will opt to pause or something like that. And uh, the last thing I have on this is on Saturday night, after Duke plays Florida State, Coach K will come and address the media. I will be on that call. Um, he has not spoken to the media since his last comments sort of ignited a, a, a bit of this conversation that we're having now. Coach K has called for a leader. I think he knows that his voice may be the most powerful one uh, among you know, NCAA coaches, that he's the GOAT and everyone listens when he has something to say. Part of it is because he's because uh, you know of Duke and, and people wanting to hate on Duke like Donald was talking about. But I'm gonna be very eager to hear what Coach K has to say about the state of COVID, the state of college basketball. I, I expect he, he is not gonna say that things have gotten better since his last comments really ignited a firestorm about this. And I won't be shocked if he also is talking about perhaps putting things on pause, we shall see. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I. I... I don't want to say I can't wait to listen to them, but I am anticipating those comments, whatever may come out of that press conference, at bo both at watching us play and also just listening to what he has to say, because someone will undoubtedly bring that up and he will have uh, some pointed words to say. And so I'm looking forward to uh, hearing what he has on his mind, because I think, like you said, it carries weight. A lot of stuff that he's been saying, mind you, has been said by a lot of different coaches, but because he says it, it right. carries more weight and more and, and with that more scrutiny. I think he recognizes that. And also I don't think he cares uh, because again, only thing he cares about going back to what Wendell said is playing basketball. He loves this game and he wants to see it grow and succeed, but he knows that some, at, some things are in its way. And one of that, one of those things is this pandemic. So he's trying to figure out how to get out of the, get this out of the way and curtail it so that we can play this game safely. So we're about to wrap things up, but before we go, as I promised at the top, Donald has a new year's wish. What's your, what's your wish, my friend? Yeah. So this is the last podcast that we will record in 2020. Uh, I, I, I know I've cursed a little bit on this episode. I will curse once more. Fuck 2020. Uh, this year is the worst year ever. Say it again. Say it loudly. Fuck 2020. Hell I yeah. Hope, I hope that popped in your ears. And, and I apologize if it blew out your speakers, but that's how bad I feel about this year. I wish for it to go. It's been the worst year of my life. I know it's been the worst year for a lot of you out there. Uh, and I cannot wait to see it go. But with that brings the hope of a new year and the hope of 2021. And so I'll, Usually for this, Jason, I'll say, Jason, happy new year. I hope 2021 is the best year ever for you. Thank and you. And you would say, thank you. But this year, I don't wish that. I wish it for, uh, for us, you, I, everyone out there, for it to be the strongest year yet, because we're going to need an incredible amount of strength to com completely endure what we just learned in 2020, all that we went through. That strength, I hope, will carry us into 2021 to help make it the strongest year because we're going to need that strength to get through the season, to get through life, to navigate these, these murky waters until the vaccine is readily available enough for everyone to take it and for this pandemic to kind of start to become behind us. It's going to take a long time. It's going to take a lot of patience. And as we start to get back to that new normalcy because the old normal has gone, there's going to be patience and strength needed to endure what that is. The, the things that we used to do back in the days of getting up and going to work and going to the grocery store, all that has changed 
permanently now. Our interactions with our friends and our family and our neighbors, that has changed as well. So there is going to be times where you think, man, this year isn't as good as it was supposed to be, but it will get better. This whole thing will get better if we have the strength to endure everything, the strength to carry on, the strength to become better as people, as a collective community. That is what I wish for all of you in 2021. And I hope that it is the strongest year yet that we look back on December 31st, 2021 and say, man, we had a hell of a strong year. And that way we can get back to having the best years of our lives beyond that. That is a beautiful, beautiful message, my friend, and, and exactly on point. Strength. Yes, we need it now more than perhaps we ever have. We, 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 we got to get through this. Got to find a way through this. Ugh. Ugh. Absolutely. So, so that's going to do it for us here on uh, this episode of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. We will be back after Duke plays Florida State, assuming Duke does play Florida State. Oh, my gosh. We have, you know, can we please play a game? Can COVID not take everything from us? Oh. We ask you, as always, please like and subscribe so you can get the DBR podcast the moment it comes out. Hey, this podcast includes hot, off-the-presses news about Wendell Moore's news conference that he just gave. You can't get it anyplace else other than, well, I mean, as quickly as, you know, we gave it to you here. So, uh, so you need to like and subscribe. Subscribe, because that way you'll get it the moment we have something to say about it. Also, leave us a review. We love those five-star reviews. We read them on the air. So, you know, if you got a question or something, you can put it in that five-star review. The other thing you can do with a question is you can send us an email, dbrpodcast at gmail.com, dbrpodcast at gmail.com. We love getting emails. We've been getting a lot more of them lately. It, it's fabulous. One of one my goals, is, one of my yeah. goals is to read more in 2021. So by doing, <laughs> by getting emails, I get to read more. So send us emails so I can read. There you go. I don't think reading emails counts as reading the kind it, of reading. It counts account. for me. Every, every word counts. But the thing I was going to say about the emails is, but please do not send us spam. We, we, Donald, did you notice this? We got some, some foreign language. It was in a foreign language. Like it was from a Nigerian prince, I think, that wanted us to invest in his in getting money out of his country, and and we were going to get a cut of it. It seemed like a pretty good deal, but it was in a foreign language, so I just I didn't. I, so luckily, I can read uh, foreign languages, and uh, I, I don't know about this, but I got a large check uh, in the mail yesterday. I don't know if that was related to it, but I'll I'll let you know in the next podcast. <laughs> uh, so, like I said, that's going to wrap it up for us here. Um, Donald and I had a great time talking to you folks here in 2020. Sam did too. We wish he could have joined us on this podcast. Um, the three of us will be back in the new year. Duke basketball will be back in the new year. We'll be playing Florida State this weekend, we hope. And tune in because we'll bring you all the reaction to it. Until then, here's the Duke band. Play in a new year and bring us home. lot of guys that are six six to six eight they also have some guys that are taller than that that could go all the way up to seven one like uh balsa copra kiva uh, i'm sorry balsa copra i can't even say his name right now uh balsa copravica uh and raekwon guay those those two guys are strong in the board